You're listening to the South Gippsland Shire Council Election Podcast 2021. As I sit here and acknowledge the Bunurong and Gurnai Kurnai people as traditional custodians of South Gippsland, and we all pay respect to their elders, past, present, and future, for they hold the memories, traditions, culture, and hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people of Australia and of our Shire. Let's get into it. In this episode, you will meet Sarah Gilligan in the Coastal Wards. This uh, unedited audio you're about to hear me chatting with Sarah was recorded on Saturday, the 25th of September at 9am in the morning. And uh, big ups to Sarah for coming on the podcast first and not really understanding the format because she hasn't had the chance like other candidates will uh, to listen to an episode or two to understand what it's all about. So big ups to Sarah for putting herself out there first and being vulnerable in the process. Um, Sarah definitely wanted me to make it clear to you guys in Coast Awards, she's at the bottom of the ballot. Uh, The ballot draw was done and she landed at the bottom. So in the show notes, I'll put a link to an article on abc.net.au around donkey vote versus informal vote. So please read that if you uh, want to understand what a donkey vote is. And uh, here's Sarah and I having a good old chat uh, about her running for council. Enjoy. Fussing there. This meeting is being recorded. Yes. All right. Well, today we're here with Sarah Gilligan. Um, we're both new to this world. I've not done a podcast before and Sarah has never run for council. How are you, Sarah? Correct. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So, uh, you're running in the Coastal Ward as an independent. You're a leadership coach, bush regenerator, mother, and a passionate resident as per the announcement in the paper. Um, let's just start off with a fun one. Uh, what's your favourite childhood memory? Oh, um, my favourite childhood memory. I have a lot of good childhood memories. I, I had a very happy childhood. Um, but it's more about a place. Um, so when uh, my, my father was uh, in emergency services, we didn't get to go on lots of holidays because dad kind of had to be around. And he saved somebody's life. And in return, they gave us this uh, three weeks every year at this place called Karakalinga, which is in South Australia on the Fluro Peninsula. I grew up in Adelaide. And uh, so we would be given this beach house uh, for three weeks, uh, every summer. And they were by far my happiest memories. Um, I, I learned how to snorkel. Dad used to take us swimming and we learned how to swim in rips. We, we explored and adventured in the bush by the beach. And, uh, it sort of, I guess, gave me a love of that environment. Um, but also I just remember dad being really present during those times uh, and we had really happy, happy holidays. 
So, yeah, Karakalinga is my happiest memory. Awesome. Well, no wonder you ended up in Venus Bay back at the beach again, um, know, <laughs> drawn back to where you started. Um, <laughs> and if you could just help, the first time I seen you, I didn't even know it was you, but I just saw uh, this uh, movement for one of a better way of explaining it about common ground going on at Venus Bay. So, and then uh, since then I found out that was you. So could you just talk to what common ground is and how that came about? Yeah, well, it's, it's been, it's been quite, a, quite a ride. And um, so common ground originally, and, and not many people know this part of common ground, uh, which is an environmental project in Venus Bay. But originally, when I first came to Venus Bay, I, I think I needed to use the internet because there was no, I, I had no internet or phone reception at my house. Uh, and I, I walked into the community centre, the Venus Bay Community Centre. I'd only been here a few days. And, uh, and this woman turned to me and said, Oi, who are you? What do you do? And I went, oh, I'm a project manager. I've worked in the arts and kind of a bit of coaching and... <laughs> she went, you, in here now. And there was a, a large grant, Regional Arts Victoria were uh, running a thing called Transforming Small Towns. Um, and I just got pulled into this, um, into this community in, in a very uh, kind of extreme way very quickly and got to know a lot about the issues in the community really fast by working out you know what is it that what is it about this town that could that that three hundred and fifty thousand dollar grant that's an arts project could actually benefit from, uh, and so I got on the phone and started reading you know ringing all the community leaders. I got a list of people and just learnt so much about this place very quickly and and fell deeply in love with it. And uh, sadly, we weren't successful. For that grant because uh, the feedback was that the complexity of the issues that we have down here uh, relating to supporting tourism as well as full-time populations and part-time populations and visitors were the issues were large and for a funding body to give a grant where they want a, an outcome it was it was too much they were like we support you but this is a very big long-term project you're talking about. So anyway, over the years, I've worked on many different things to try and um, try and bring this community together around environment and around how we become welcoming of tourism. We 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 have a lot of um, a lot of people with a lot of different agendas that all sort of smash in together in Venice Bay. Uh, and sometimes the people that are taking on the stewardship of this place feel a bit tired and beaten up, to tell you the truth. Um, and, and there are a lot of things that you only find out down here by secret. You know, it's sort of like if you know that person, then you know about that bit of Venus Bay and, oh, it's important not to do this. But there's not – as people coming down here as visitors – they're just not prepared for the fact that we are an isolated community. We're quite, you know, we're run, one road in and one road out. We're on tank water. We're, we've got septic. We don't have bins at the beaches because the beaches are managed, you know, the, the dunes are managed by Parks Victoria. 
we don't have a lot of you know water supply there's all sorts of things that people just don't know when they come here and our tourism population grows by the thousands um, so there are all sorts of wonderful things that come of that, that brings money into the economy and all this, that sort of stuff, but it also brings a lot of issues and it brings a lot of issues for the environment. So that's the world I've been in for the past seven years. Uh, I've been tinkering away on different projects. I've been on the advisory panel of the Van Cleef development, which is about taking a, a large reserve in the second estate and showcasing what the Indigenous flora and fauna is in this place and talking about how we can look after this place better because there are a lot of people who live here who care deeply about the environment, me included. Um, so, yeah, various things had the name Common Ground attached to them um, and because it was about a bringing together project and a talking about our issues and about dealing with them together. So when... Um, this year, this year on May the 15th, and a lot has happened in a few months, believe me, uh, one of the part-time residents, a woman called Anita, um, put on our community Facebook post, oh my goodness, there's 100 acres of land, which is this big part, part of a big stretch of land that um, is alongside Anderson Inlet, on the Anderson Inlet side of the Venus Bay Peninsula. Uh, it's up for sale. The agent is advertising it as a potential horse ranch, a luxury tourist retreat, all sorts of things. Wouldn't it be awful if this land was carved up into the eight 100-acre lots and sold off for private development? And it tapped into the change anxiety nerves of this community where we all know things are changing. We all know, like, it's, it's like we've had this, this break in council and then we've had COVID and there's no going back. And we know that the population is expanding. We know that the demographics expanding. We know that the part-time to full-time ratio is changing. And so there are all these development and, and change nerves that I think are across this whole region, but particularly for Venus Bay going, ah! It's happening again because there was a big development proposal many years ago for that to be turned into a 2,000 house lot, I think, um, with a marina and, and a, you know, all sorts of inappropriate things for this very fragile little peninsula, basically we're a little town on sand dunes. Um, and the community got behind it and went, because this woman, Anita, had said, hey, if we all put together 1200 bucks, like if we each put in 1200 bucks around that and we got, you know, enough people, we could buy this land because they had it advertised for 2.5 million. And I went, yeah, you know, community action, direct climate action, saying this is what we value, this is what our community is about. We, it's not all about house prices and development this is actually an important shared piece of land for this community and we want to protect it. Now it's not shared, it's private. It's privately owned and, but it has been leased as grazing land. So we're used to the cows and the grass and the, these landscapes. Uh, but it, this brought up this thing of that could change in an instant because actually on paper, this land 
does have, you know, you can legally build one to two buildings on it. You can do this, you can do that. And so suddenly the possibility of what that change could look like started becoming really important to people. Then the community got in and started talking about all the old stories and saying, look, you know, it's, it's under floodplain, it's not going to happen, they're dreaming, 2.5 million is ridiculous. And I was like, yeah, I understand that, but these, these people are actually selling it to, you know, an outside market as a potential for development. So I'm going to go and do the due diligence on this because I want to know if it really is under threat. Um, and that's where my journey over the past few months, uh, started and I have been in pretty much every arm of council about it to find out what the actual planning overlays are, what they actually mean, and to work out what the restrictions and possibilities are for this block of land and also to do a, a valuation on it really. Um, and the community were very excited and I got very excited and I was sharing all the information as I went. And what I've been uncovering, because of course, in it, you know, look, anyone in the coastal prom ward knows that when you start dealing with uh, anything to do with land management or land use, you actually, and you're anywhere near the coast, you're actually dealing with a lot of different agencies as well as council, as well as landholders. So every conversation I had led to another one. And um, over the, what, May, May, June, July, August, September, five months. So over the past five months, um, I've spoken to, you know, potential development partners. I've spoken to environmentalists. I've spoken to philanthropy. I've spoken to parks, the Water Catchment Authority, Council, DELP, um, uh, fisheries, you know, there's there's a lot of people, uh, and and what has come out of it is this is an old idea. So this big piece of land that is currently degraded farming land, twenty years ago they were talking about returning it to salt marsh wetland, um, and and it's still a good idea. So this land is degrading as it's for its zoned use. Um, but it is just over the other side of the levee bank wall, there is pristine salt marsh. And salt marsh, I'm, I've learnt all of this on this journey, by the way. Um, I didn't know much about salt marsh before. Uh, the salt marsh that is squashed up against the levee bank between the mangroves and the levee bank is pristine and it's, it's flourishing. And salt marsh does, is this wonderful thing where it's, an, it's a tidal it's a tidal ecosystem. So if we were to just let some of the natural flows in to that land, the salt marsh would regenerate. Uh, so the, the, the water would do most of the weeding and it would then also propagate the salt marsh. And it would be a slow process and that area could act as a massive salt marsh sponge which would take the pressure off around Anderson's Inlet, which is suffering from a lot of, you know, erosion and what have you. But it also, salt marsh sequests 40% more carbon than um, rainforest. So this is a, you know, there are, there are so many benefits to looking at the use of this piece of land. And so what I've done is not 
so I went to do my due diligence and found out that, you know, the, the value of the land compared to what they're wanting to sell it for, the difference is quite ridiculous. Uh, panic's gone from anyone being, you know, silly enough not to do their own due diligence and spend that money on that land. Um, but now it's become an 800-acre project. Uh, and I'm just keeping that pot stirring and keeping the communication and the information flowing and I've got experts and I took Delp on a walk uh, the other day and we talked about sort of future. It's become a long-term project and one that is very, very important to me um, and something that the community together jumped behind. So our division between the full-time and the part-time population, the old-timers, the newcomers, it's it's something that's actually brought the community together and that was exciting and I've felt in my element working in that um, and it's paid, played a big part in, the, in my kind of journey to sticking my hand up and running for council. Awesome. So um, how, uh, how long was the decision period to when you had that first thought of running for council to biting the bullet and saying, I, I, I'm going to do this? Oh, it was a, it was a week. Yep. It was a week and it was a full on week. And are you so, sitting happy in the idea now? You're, yeah, completely. Yep. Completely. Yep. Cool. So I, at first, I was I got tapped on the shoulder a bit. I think because I've also been on the Facebook site for a few years, and I, I you know, I, I, I've been talking to community for a long time. So I got tapped on the shoulder a little bit, and I was just like, no, 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 because it might damage if I if I'm on council, it might damage the progress of Common Ground, uh, which had a lot to do with where Common Ground was at as well at that time. It's now shifted into sort of a stable long-term project that's sort of pegged in the right places. So I feel more trusting of, of not being such a driving force every day behind it. Um, but, yeah, I, I just was like, no, nah, not running. And I, But it felt like nobody from around this end of the Coastal Prom Ward was going to run. Um, and I put a post out going somebody's got to stick their hand up. And I was talking to a few people going, you've got to run. You know, <laughs> I was trying to talk all these other people into running. And then it was one of the moderators of the Facebook site, I think, who went, hang on, I just want to talk to you about this conflict of interest stuff. You know, um, have you made any money out of, the, um, out of Common Ground or do you stand to make any money out of Common Ground? And I went, no, it's it's for the environment. And she was like, well, aren't you exactly the sort of person we want running for council then? Because you care about the community, you've demonstrated it, you've demonstrated your work. Uh, isn't that? And I went, oh, okay. So I went, right, well, I better go and do, do my due diligence. So I went and spoke to the CEO of the council and I spoke to the BEC and I spoke to the AEC and I spoke to a you know a few trusted politically savvy friends and colleagues and everybody had the same thing to say they were like that's a really simple thing to manage within the you know the, the local law system um, in terms of your conflict of interest no you wouldn't be able to vote obviously 
if there was a decision around it, but yeah, it's a simple one to manage. That That's not a barrier to you running. At which point I went, oh. <laughs> so I went, oh my God, nobody's running. All right, I'll run, I'll do it, I'll do it. And stuck my hand up thinking, well, nobody's running. So, you know, somebody's got to do it. Take it for the team kind of thing. Yeah, well, good on you. Um, yeah, we all need people then, to be running. Then we somebody need- then somebody did run. Somebody did stick their hand up, and that's when my real decision was made. Awesome. You know, well, uh, congratulations. I want on, now. Well, the whole shire needs it. Obviously, there's no um, misunderstanding as to how important this uh, round is. So part of my goal with this podcast is really to um, give the voter um, as many ways as they can to understand the candidates to make a really informed choice. So um, thank you for being first on the podcast. Thank you for running for council. Um, And uh, I've got a few other questions, but um, so in your um, statement there in the paper, you were saying um, you'll prioritise and advocate for planning and infrastructure that values our um, natural assets and sustainable growth and development. What's that look like to you? How do you sort of advocate and prioritise that? Well, I just think, I mean, look, there's a, there's a lot I don't know, obviously. Um, there's a lot I do know from an outsider dealing with um, how council and state work together in terms of land use and environmental protection and overlays and how that affects us as, you know, landowners and ratepayers. Um, But I think that it's really important that in all of our planning in in council, in all of, you know, all of the reviews of the planning that has been done to date need to reflect the speed at which we're growing. So I feel like if we don't have a very smart switched on plan that deals with our rapid growth, we might look back on this time post COVID when everything opened up and everybody started running to the regions as a time where things got out of control. Whereas I think that good planning that is based on the reality of the big challenges that we've got needs to include how we are going to maintain the character and way of life that we have down here and allow for growth. Growth is happening. We can't do anything about that. You know, here in Venus Bay, the blocks were divvied up a long time ago. They're not actually, you know, they're, they're actually too small for the environment here, but that's not my, that's not my fight. My fight is, or my, what I will advocate for is that, uh, all of our planning decisions take into account the character and way of life that we have down in South Gippsland and builds on the strengths and, and you know, gets the old and new working together rather than just going, ah, we've got a whole heap more people, there's a chance to make a whole lot of money, let's subdivide, let's build, let's grow and to not have the aims and values of the communities included in that would be a great loss for our region. Yes, yes. I grew up northern New South Wales, north of Byron Bay. So when I go back that way now, um, 
yeah, it's it's just unrecognisable to yeah. uh, what I saw growing up. So I don't get too excited about the idea of being back in that space because it's just not um, what it was when I grew up. So that helps me understand the challenges of the people who have been here for a long time when people like you and me have just shown up uh, and are getting involved. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, there'll be fear around that change, but um, yeah. I think it is important that everyone in the Shire really understands what just happened in COVID. So if anyone's just listening and doesn't really know, I live in the Tarwin Ward in Fish Creek, but I also work in the Coastal Ward at Sandy Point. So very similar to Sarah at um, Venus. And yeah, we've seen a, a look after holiday homes, about 60, 70 of them. So I've seen a big change through population, the property price uh, influx, uh, even the people staying in the holiday homes of found Sandy Point for the very first time. You know, they used to holiday in the peninsula, but that was yeah. all booked up months and months in advance and twice as expensive yeah. because people can go to Bali. So they stretched out to the next beach community. And so um, I'm sure yeah. Venus Bay, so those people have bought. Um, there's a new frontier coming, I believe that too. So, um, yeah, it'd be great to see the community after this election uh, stand up and really create strong groups to work with council to, yeah. to make that, that connected. divide connected. But yep. um, it's one of the challenges I've had here in Fish Creek is to get connected closely with that old school because <laughs> they've done all yeah. the community work and so they come back yeah. and go oh, I've been there done it Craig it's your turn yeah. it's like yeah I, I get it like community work after hours in your after working like it, it's a commitment yeah. so it's, um, it's like everything that I've, I've thought is you know I've gone I've put connected the dots with common ground and gone oh my god that means this and isn't that a great idea and then I've gone and spoken to you know somebody who's been here forever, and they've gone, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a there's a plan for that in that yeah. you know, file over there. It's been twenty years old of that idea. You know these communities yes. know what they need. They know their issues. They know what they need. But yeah. there is a lot of fear. Um, and mm. as we know in these times, fear. There's, I think. Division. But I also think there's a lot of hope because the council got removed. We've had a two year breaker. There is a re-energized uh, focus, I feel, around how we're yeah. governed. Um, yeah. So we are sitting in a position where if you glass half full it, um, mm. we're, we're moving into that period where That's we can right. have strong community engagement with active engaged councillors because um, we're doing the same challenges here in Fish Creek, trying to solve our sewage problem again. Uh, that was a 20-year-old oh, yeah, project, 20-year-old um, project and then a 15-year-old project and then a five-year-old yeah. project and yeah. um, just constantly hitting barriers when you get to the pointy end to close the deal. So there is a lot of apathy and frustration around these things. So we're in a position where if we um, all come together, we can actually get a result, I feel. It's exciting times. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think... I think, you know, it's, it's interesting when you were talking about, you know, connecting with with the people who've been here for a long time and I've certainly been been doing that but Common Ground has sort of thrust me more heavily into the farming community because it's farming land and, of course, you know, one of the first things I said was I was on the Facebook site going, 
what about the what about the cows? I want to talk about the cows. Who do I talk to? So I've I've kind of you know been in contact. Well, yeah, I am in contact with the farmer who leases the land. I've become in, quite involved with the the farming community, and I'm just listening to everyone, and I'm going, okay. So the the farmers are feeling um, that the the old school farmers are feeling judged. The new ones are feeling misunderstood. The part-timers are feeling like a cash cow trapped away in Melbourne and, you know, disconnected from this place. The full-timers are feeling a bit scared about what what this change is going to bring. Um, and I think that we all need to come together because it's all around the same stuff. Yeah. It really is. There's a lot of great energy coming in uh into the into the region there's you know there's lots of great little projects happening all over the place and there's entrepreneurs everywhere and there's people doing good things and we need to as you said the glass half full we need to focus on the strengths not the weaknesses and do it together yes coastal coastal we've got our own set of problems that people in the in the you know tarwan and strasleki ward have a lot less of those problems but they're all kind of based around change and change is coming. Yeah, yeah. And you've got in the coastal, because that's the ward I was going to run in. So I think yeah. that's why the coastal ward people are first on this podcast, because I was reaching out to you guys first. So um, after we get off the call, because uh, just for the listeners, where are you sitting right now, Sarah? I'm sitting in my little shack in Venus Bay in the second estate. Yes, and I'm sitting in our spare bedroom in Fish Creek. And then after we get off this uh, call, I'll be reaching out to Sue Plowright. So uh, these two candidates are the first to come on and help you understand them better, to ask for your vote um, and to respect these guys, this first two. They're doing it without listening to any other episodes. So um, big ups to you guys. Um, All right, so if... uh, you had to choose to be an Australian politician for the day. Which one would you choose to be? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Look to tell you. The and truth, why? Uh, what? And why? Oh. I can't be anyone but me. I can't, yep. you know, there are things about certain politicians that I, I like, but I've, I have learnt over the past few weeks a lot more about politics um, than I thought I was going to. I thought I was standing to be me. Some people have said um, I can be. <laughs> Some people have said I can be a little bit like a smart centre-left Jackie Lambie, um, which shocked me, but I went, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm independent. I can't, I don't yeah. want, I don't actually want to align myself with other politicians um, and it, because I good. think it's time for a new kind of politics. So, and how many people on your campaign team? Um me um and And i have a group of about four 
people who are part of my trusted advisory, but I'm doing it all myself. Yeah. And um, so no sort of financial help to run or... No, I, I have just, I actually, I, can't, I couldn't believe it. I did actually just get um, an offer to help me pay for some marketing materials from a supporter who's a friend and family supporter. Yeah, and I support that because when I was going down that road, I was like, oh, my God, there's so much watching some campaigns that obviously have quite healthy budgets. And I was like, wow, it's yeah. just, it changes the game on what I thought democracy was because sometimes someone with the biggest budget uh, gets a bigger profile it's and it's like, oh, I don't have that. I don't have that money. So um, yeah, that was the part right. I didn't see coming either is the money that yeah. you might need to and I get your in, voice um, out. Yeah. And I worked in um, film and TV as my bread and butter for you know, about 20 years before I came into coaching. And um, I, so I, I know I'd like, you know, campaign stuff like signage, all of that sort of stuff. I know how to very quickly calculate what those costs are going to be and what the, you know, the lead times and how much work, yeah, all of that stuff because I've been doing it for film and TV. Um, and I just went, oh, well, I don't have that sort of money. So I'm just going to have to stand as an independent and I think that, uh, you know, our, our local government shouldn't be a place for these presidential style campaigns and shouldn't be a place where you have to be cashed up to serve your community. Yeah, and I guess one other question I was interested in, um, because just to frame it a bit better, um, uh, if anyone listening does go to the, the website where all the candidates are, um, there yeah. isn't about tab and that's sort of about me I guess I'm, I'm definitely open book and trying to be as transparent uh, as everyone else so I just tag some other podcasts on there that um, I deeply respect and listen to which is like Renee Brown uh, who became quite famous with her TED talk about vulnerability Simon Sinek who became very famous about from his TED talk on the why and um their Brene Brown's podcast Dare to Lead so it's a leadership yeah. um, and your leadership coach I'd love your take on how um, what we value in leaders has changed do you think leadership today is um, can be done the way it was done 20 years ago and be successful No, I don't. I don't because I don't. I think there's. I think you know, twenty years ago there was an there was an amount, there was a level of trust that we had in our leaders, and I don't think it exists anymore. Um, I think it's time for a new style of leadership. I think we're all sick of hearing uh, our politicians dodge answers, um, not deal with fact, too worried about, you know, how that's going to influence the polls, how that's going to... I think that we need a new style of leadership that listens deeply uh, and is honest and connected to the people and I think that that's something that 
you know, I, I, I think that their leadership, well, it's in the doing as well as the talking, isn't it? And I think that over the past 20 years we've fallen into a, a way, if you're a leader, you suddenly become, you know, a, a, a face with carefully curated messages um, and I don't see that as leadership at, at, at all. I think that, you know, you've you, you pulled out a couple of um, people who are, I absolutely, absolutely support their views on what we need to do to start working together again and to actually tackle our really big problems because we have, you know, we have issues that are, so much more important than the tit-for-tat style of leadership and politics that is in our country and globally at the moment. Yeah, it's been a really interesting... I guess I've Ask never... what I really think. Yeah, no, this is why I do this pod... <laughs> this is why I do this podcast because um, there was a bit of, you know, it's all going to play out as, as we go through this and everyone listening will understand me much better, but I had a lot of bloody anxiety about doing this because I was going to be super vulnerable and exposed and it's like, shit, do I really want to do this? Um, if I'm... I call it the Australian um, idol factor. You know, where yeah. everyone around you, close to you, saying, you'll be great, you'll be great. And then you go yep. and the judges just say, you can't sing for shit, right? So, yep. <laughs> so yep. um, I was getting all this. It's and I was like, So I was like, I want to get in if I got in and if I did, so yeah. just anyone listening, I did not nominate, I'm not running. Um, so, but I wanted to go through, it's like, I want to put myself out there so openly and rawly. If mm. the voter then still chooses to get me in, then I'm there for the right reasons. Correct. Because they have had every chance to really understand me. So I went, fuck it, I need to do it. And um, so, yeah, I think. Did I? Basically, I've been a background in sales. So it'll just that sales world is human nature. You, you study human nature yeah. all the time and yeah. trying to understand how your widget can fix their problem and whether yeah. that you even yeah. that human has any relationship to the widget you're trying to help them with. So it's done that for 15 years. And I just think um, over that years, I just even watched that sales world change of the more raw and honest you were with that customer, even if you are hundred dollars more than your customer, mm -hmm. your next door they would give me the money because it was yep. just so refreshing for them to go oh my god i just think everyone You're is dying everyone is dying for an open dialogue yes and the answers are in open dialogue not yeah. hidden back rooms so and thank dialogues, you that's all right i was just going to say dialogue is uh so where where i started going huh i've got all of these these skills and actually local government and South Gippsland has this incredible opportunity to create a new style of, of council, a new style of council and community working together. Um, and I was inspired by, um, so a number of years ago now, I uh, was the development manager for the Australian Centre for Dialogue which uh, was a, a, a branch of the ANU Law School and um, 
it was uh, the director was a man called Bradley Chenoweth, who said to me, "You build things, you make things happen. I need you to come and help me." And um, I came across these coaches, these world class coaches. You know, these guys are being hired by the World Bank to kind of facilitate conversations between, uh, you know, uh, um. What is it? Palm oil plantation owners and communities and, you know, investors in how to create a sustainable industry and all these nasty, difficult, difficult subjects, awesome (laughs) problems, you know, and, and I saw, I saw how they worked and I went, right, that's what I want to do. This is, this is affecting change. And this is affecting change through the way that we talk to each other, through the way that we communicate, through the through the problems that we talk about. So I think that leadership these days tends to sit on the surface and not actually get to the to the sort of real problems. And that's why often we feel like you know whatever solutions we we get thrown at us are just band aids. Uh, so dialogue, you, it triggered me when you went, yeah, dialogue. I went, yeah, it is. It's so important that that you know. The old way of marketing and sales was, you know, single message and just saturate, you know, whereas now it's actually about building a relationship. Uh, And I think that our politicians are a little behind in that game. Yeah, I've never given a shit about local politics ever, local government (laughs) elections. Like for me to be here now doing a podcast around this subject matter still spins my wheel in my head. Like I just don't, but I actually, I've been thinking deeply, how did I end up here? But it was lockdown last year, um, sitting here. And I just went way too deep into being completely fascinated watching the reality TV show of the presidential elections in America. Aha. Yes. I just, I just couldn't turn it off. I was so fixated on that. And I was like, oh, this is what happens if you if people and enough good people don't show up, this is what happens if enough good people don't um, share their true voice or get involved. Essentially, it's involvement. So it really sort of woke me up to go, where am I at? It's like, okay, well, right now in my life, mm. I feel privileged and lucky. Mm. I've got a house in the country, yeah. an amazing part of the world. Yeah. It's time to give back. So it's time. Yeah. So um so i will be continuing this podcast through to the other side of the election if you get in and i wish you luck um would you come on the podcast yeah of course i love it i think that it's a i think it's ironic but wonderful that you made the choice you did not to stand but to continue doing this because i think a a democratic platform that we can all have an equal voice on that we can all have our information out there so that the public can actually make their own judgment you know i think that's the other thing about leadership and politics is it assumes that the voters a bit dumb and i'm telling you you know Uh, i don't i haven't met many dumb people around here (laughs) Can I just say thank you for bringing that up? It's been running around my head, to be honest. It's like there's so much messaging uh, around treating the voter like they need to be cotton-wooled, 
Whereas yeah, I just think the voter is, I just think the voter is generally highly educated, especially in the privileged space we live in down here. Um, yeah. Most people are highly educated and frustrated with the simple. So then they turn off. They don't give a shit about elections because yeah. they just think it's all bullshit. Um, yeah. No one's telling the whole truth. Um, so why should I care either? Um, because yep. they're, you know, they'd be sitting in a library in their house down here with a billion books behind them from world-class you know educators and so they're all edu you know there's a lot of yes thank you for saying i the the voter is right. uh, way more intelligent and powerful um than they're given credit for and they know a lot about their own community you know yeah. and they know a lot about their own problems and so for yeah. you know for government to be turning around and saying this is what you should be doing and thinking yeah it just it just treats them with uh yeah like like they're i was about to say children but look my kids you know i love their brains so uh it just treats them as yeah a bit dumb yeah yeah just disrespects them sometimes yeah so um thank you for coming on is there anything else that you thought um someone who you're asking for their vote uh, might need to hear before we close this off um I don't know if you answered this question, if you asked this question and I went on a ramble because I was a little nervous at the start. So was <laughs> um, I. I get it. <laughs> it's all new to us, but that's the beautiful thing about being vulnerable, just doing it anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I guess that the reason why I'm running, yeah. um, and, and you just brought that up in talking about COVID, mm -hmm. um, I think uh for a long time i've been looking for something more impactful and meaningful to do with my work um because i coach community leaders all over australia and they're all doing wonderful things um but i wanted to do something and i think that that's why common ground just all of my energy and enthusiasm went in and and i experienced how much i love working for the people and environment of this place. And the reason I'm running is because I want to do something meaningful that connects my professional skills to my love of this place. Cause I'm going to grow old here. This is my favorite yeah. place. Same thing. It's, it's very fulfilling to yeah. do more work that's um, not centered around yourself. It's very yeah. fulfilling. Um, all right. So um, there, I'm sure oh, there's listeners. The bottom of the ballot. Oh, yes, that's what I was, that'll, I'll, I'll speak to that because this part, if you're listening now, this part when I'm interviewing all guests will never be edited, um, yeah. but I'll top and tail the episodes around some other information. Um, so that will be part of that, Sarah. So we'll leave that for that part of it. Um, okay. But um, now if people want to, I know there'll be people listening going, why didn't he ask her that? Or we should have asked her that. Oh, oh. I want to know this. Um, Get in touch. How do people follow your campaign? How do they connect with you? Um, tell them. All over the internet, always have been. <laughs> Pretty open book. Um, but Sarah Gilligan, uh, if, if you put in the... Um, I'll put all the, your social links to the show notes in this episode. Yes, okay, in so that, they'll be in the show in notes that. of this episode. But so Facebook, pick yes. Pick up the phone, send me an email. You know, yep. I'm, I'm so what's here your to talk. Campaign website, if you just say that out loud in 
my campaign website is gillyforgippy.com. Gillyforgippy.com. And then that'll link to all socials that'll be in the show notes as well. Um, so yep. go there and ask uh, Sarah any more questions that I did not cover. And yep. um, send me a text, send me a, I'm a, you know, I'm contactable in a billion different ways. Yes. All right. Well, we'll all be at the Meet the Candidate sessions as well. So we might hear yeah. Sarah's voice again there. And uh, for this moment, thank you for your time, Sarah. Thank you for everything that you've done and staying integrous to the democratic, pro <laughs> democratic process. Was this as scary as you thought it was going to be? Nah. <laughs> I was nervous. All right. Bye for now. Okay. Thanks, Craig. Bye. Bye. To see all the candidates in one place so you can understand who is in your ward and who you can vote for, go to craigprivet.com.au, found in the show notes, and the candidate you just listened to will have all their contact details in the show notes as well. Share the podcast far and wide and let's have a really open and transparent election. Bye for now.